and welcome to Hiding Under the Desk, a podcast for writers and creatives who have little confidence but big creative goals. This podcast is brought to you via The Red Fern, a Substack newsletter where I write about and demonstrate how I'm using midlife to shake off the fear, banish imposter syndrome and increase self-belief to achieve mine and your writing and creative ambitions. My name is Helen Redfern and I'm a self-confessed and confident writer but by taking tiny steps I'm working towards my writing goals every day. Hello, today I'm thrilled to be interviewing author Deborah Carr. Deborah writes under her own name and two pseudonyms which are Georgina Troy and Ella Drummond. She has written 22 books and is currently writing her 23rd. Deborah writes historical fiction and her most recent book is The Beekeeper's War. As Georgina Troy, she writes contemporary fiction with Finding Love on Sunshine Island being her latest. I loved this interview. Debs was very open and honest about her confidence journey and her writing journey. Even after 22 books published, she still thinks her work in progress is a pile of rubbish. So for all those first-time authors who feel like giving up because you think what you're writing stinks, don't. As Deborah says, it's part of the process. This is Deborah Carr's Creative Confidence Story. Hello, Debs, and welcome to Hiding Under the Desk. It's an absolute delight to have you on my podcast, and I am so excited because I think your journey is so inspiring, and I'm really, really looking forward to digging into it. So, yeah, welcome. Thank you so much, Helen. I'm really excited to be here, and thank you for saying you think it's inspirational, inspiring. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, for the for the benefit of the listeners, I'll just give them a little bit of background into how long we've known each other. I do in air quotes because it's all been online, but I think we first bumped into each other in a group called the Novel Racers, which was back in either 2006 or seven or eight, one of those, it was a long time ago. Um, And that was set up by Kate Harrison and a group of writers came together and raced each other to finish our first drafts because sometimes it's very hard to get that very first draft done. And then we came together later on again, because we both wrote for Novelicious.com, the website about books and writing. And then I've been following your journey. I'm just going through how many books you've published since (laughs) we first met. It's just incredible. But also you made a comment on one of my Medium articles a few weeks ago, and that prompted me to contact you. And your comment was, and I think I was talking about fear, fear of failure, fear of success and things like that. And you said, and I quote, I held back from putting my writing out there because of my fear of failure. And then it dawned on me that I was failing because I wasn't even trying. And I thought, you have 
published something like 20 odd books and that the fact that you had this fear of failure at the very beginning but then you've gone on to be so prolific I just find that so inspiring so maybe you could tell us a little bit about your creative confidence journey around your writing from those early days and the the bit that changed everything for you and you started to put your work out there it was actually um i remember it very very well it was at my first uh, romantic novelists association conference so i knew no one um and at lunchtime i asked these two women if i could sit next to them i can't remember their names unfortunately but we we were talking and one of them asked me, uh, so what do you write and how far are you along your writing sort of uh, route to publication, as it were. And I was very apologetic and very, um, I can't think of the word, um, but very much, oh, no, mine is just, you know, I'm just trying. But, you know, so apologetic about the fact that like, who do I think I am that I could actually a write a book yeah, and yeah. be that anyone actually would ever want to read it, let alone pay for it. And this woman who I'd never met before, she was amazing actually, but she she got really cross with me. And she said, the problem with you is, she said, your comfort zone is, and she sort of had her hands against her stomach, is right there. And you are staying within your comfort zone. But if you want to actually achieve anything with your writing, you need to move forward and step out of your comfort zone and go for it. And she was so, oh, okay. And I was a bit taken aback because mostly people think, oh, I know how you feel, but no, she, she actually gave me this lecture. And I went home and I thought, you know, she's right. I'm so scared of putting my stuff out there and people I know seeing it, because of course people don't know it's not quite so scary at that point because yeah. you don't yeah. think they'll see it. Um, and then just saying, what the hell do you think you're doing? Thinking you can actually write a book. I mean, you know, go back and, you know, sit quietly in a corner somewhere. And I thought, you know what, she's right. If I want to do this, the first choice I've got to make is, do I want to actually write a publishable novel and be published, either self-published or traditionally, or not? And it's as simple as that. And if I want to, you have to actually put it out there. And I mean, it's not easy. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, the first I self-published, um, but and the, and the first time, first book I actually pressed publish on, I was so anxious. Uh, it had been through through an editor, and what I didn't realise was um, uh, this friend of mine actually contacted me, and she said, um, "I hope you don't mind me saying this, but you do realise that on the first page there's about thirty typos." And I thought, what? Sorry, what? So I looked at it. I had, you know, when you get something edited, so like for example, like the word "he" at the beginning of a sentence, capital H and, and lowercase e. It had a like a lowercase. H crossed out and then the capital H and then the I mean that I literally hadn't accepted any of the changes yeah. I knew nothing I knew absolutely nothing so I had to pull it back and of course when you do self-publish on Tamsin it can take ages to be shown but it can also take a few days to be withdrawn I was mortified and and I she said don't panic just pull it off and sort it out and I spent 11 hours going through it and trying to sort it out and then I put it back out there again even more terrified than having the first time um but I, I think if, if you, you, you basically have to make a choice, do I want to do this or not? And if yeah. I do, I just have to step out of my comfort zone and go for it. And it's absolutely terrifying. And, you know, with all the books that I have now, 
I still every I'm writing a book now it's my 23rd book and I'm nearly 40,000 words in I think this is such a load of rubbish why would anyone want to read? but and I said to a writer friend uh, there's two other writer friends I have who would call ourselves the blonde plotters and a few books ago I said oh this book she said how's it going oh it's awful I don't know what it's about and I hate it and it's embarrassing and she said, but you say this with every single book that you write. You think every book you write is awful. You mm. don't have confidence at all. I have no self-confidence, very, very little. Um, and I think people assume, I know I did, that when I see somebody else publish, and I think, oh, you know, that's so clever and that's amazing, their book's so good. And I assume I'm just not that good. And yeah. even now, and I, as I say, I'm on my 23rd book, for heaven's sake, but the first time is so terrifying and so is the second time yeah. and then you it's very surprising the worst thing is you also get a few people who read it and say oh that I really like that whatever then you also get people who say um you know what the hell is this this is the biggest letter you know but they do that with everybody you yeah. know they, they do that with every big author um there are some people who criticize and, and want to bring people down. And you know what, that's fine, but that's very, very hard to hear, of course. And I then, so after publishing, the next thing I had to get over was when people criticized them um, and not actually taking it personally, because, okay, if there's something wrong and you have quite a few people saying the same thing, well, then you obviously have to look at the book and you obviously have to try and do something about it, change it or whatever. But if the majority of people are liking it, then you have to sort of get past that and sort of say, oh, well, you know, whatever, Alice, if, if <laughs> I had a recent one from someone called Alice who thought it was rubbish. Um, <laughs> so in the literally the most recent book I've got out, um, that's with Harper Collins. The last 10 reviews, this is the other diagnosis, the last 10 reviews out of the last 10 reviews, nine were five star and one was three star. And this reviewer slated it. Load of rubbish, nothing happens. Mm -hmm. da, 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 da. And immediately I forget the nine five stars and immediately think, oh, okay, what's wrong with that? Oh, I knew it wasn't good. And I knew what was I thinking? I think it's either in you or it's not to be like that. But I think sometimes that actually helps you improve. I think it's the people who go in there and sort of think, you know, this book is perfect. They're not going to listen to any advice. Um, you know, how, however good the advice is, because they think actually what I've done is damn good. I'm, I'm, this is excellent. And no, I'm not going to change anything. And there are people like that. And those are people who won't learn. I know that I learn with every book because I do yeah. listen and I do worry and I am anxious about it. But yeah, it's, it's a very frightening thing. Uh, and I think if you lack in confidence, you probably always lack in confidence, but you just got to be brave, really. I think that's, why I personally think it's so important to hear stories like yours. You know, you're now a, a super productive author, 20, like say you're on your 23rd. Um, but the fact that each time you think it's a pile of rubbish. And I think if you're a first time author and you think this is a pile of rubbish, that you don't, you're not always aware that it's part of the process that Very this true. is something you have to go through. But obviously the more you do, the more you realize that, and like your friend pointed out, this is something that happens to you every time. Every time. Yeah. Mm, mm. But yeah, it's it's that very first one where you think, well, this is rubbish and you give up. But I, I, I love the fact that you have persisted with it. And the fact that you had all those 
things wrong with your 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 first book yeah. um but you, you did you pulled it off you spent 11 hours on it and then you did it and then you went on and did more and you know I was funny if I was because I've now signed uh, that book with my backlist that's uh, published under Georgina Troy right contemporary romance series is Georgina Troy and historical uh, romance was for Hobgollins as, as Deborah Carr and I was actually only talking yesterday because I signed my backlist and for four new books with Boldwood books brilliant Boldwood at the beginning of the year so they'll be uh, obviously editing those books and checking them see if they want to change them at all and then they will be uh, relaunched and I said to her, you know because I'd emailed her when I sent the books on and I said you know and the first book which was the book I'm talking about now um you know it's longer than it should be for the genre and I keep thinking literally for however many years I've been saying to myself I really should redo this and I should change it and everything and I was saying to her he pointed out to me this book was shortlisted for the romantic novel of the year awards this yeah, book yeah. was a finalist in the Joan Hussain awards I think if those judges liked it, then maybe it's not as bad as you think. And that is where my confidence always is. I only actually felt, um, I mean, I first self-published first. So I did that back in, I think, 2013. But I even now, I did not see myself as, I mean, I write full time now, but I did not think of myself as an actual author who, who I felt I could actually say I was an actual author until I, my second book, uh, not my second book, but I became a USA Today bestselling author for the second time. And Rob said, for heaven's sake, at what point in your life are you gonna think you're actually writing okay books? Mm. But I think that that's just how I am. I worry about these things. And like you say, I think you made a really excellent point there. I now know because I know a lot of authors and that because you you get to know different people, people who are published in the same place as you and 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 you meet people, you know, networking, whatever. And you slowly realize because on Facebook, it's like, oh, I've got this book coming out or oh, I've just signed that contract and everything's wonderful and marvelous. and You're sharing your cover and all this. But you don't sort of share all the angst. Mm. So people don't know that, you know you're actually going to think oh gosh that's such a load of rubbish and I don't know what to write next and oh I'm never going to finish this book and they don't know that and like you say I think it's very important I now know it's part of my process yeah. and I now know that there are some I mean authors I really admire out there who have admitted to me you know what I just have no confidence and I think everything I write is rubbish mm. and I thought gosh it's not just me then and it's not, I think the vast majority of us actually feel that way. I think it's the minority that write a book, it's published, it's a bestseller, and then have that confidence. I think it's a tiny minority, I think the vast majority yeah, yeah. struggle and, and have to struggle with their confidence and to force themselves to keep going. Definitely. It's definitely, I mean, Instagram, Facebook, social media, it has been obviously criticised for showing it things as highlight reels but I, I've always been interested in the process of people writing I think it started with you know looking at people's desks and how they had everything set up but I'm now interested in the process and yet all this kind of mental angst that goes on inside your head um, as you're writing that lunch uh, at the Romantic Novelists Association that 
was the turning point for you that made you think, right, that's it. I'm going to independently publish your first Well, novel. it made me think I've got to step out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, and after that, um, so I kept writing my books and I went through the new writer scheme for people who don't know. Um, so the Romantic Novelist Association is a wonderful association uh, you can join, but there's only a certain amount of numbers for the new writer scheme. And for the new writer scheme, uh, you are able to send a full or partial manuscript once a year and it is read and critiqued. You get a report back by an anonymous reader who is somebody who's been published, you know, quite a few times or several mm. times or whatever. Um, and I put that same book through, I think, twice. Both times I thought, I cannot make this any better. And then that book was almost uh, published in, in a small new independent um, publishing company. And they had a very, very high editor actually helping them. And she critiqued it again. And I thought, for heaven's sake, I thought this was okay. <laughs> no, it wasn't. This is a bit, really isn't. So, oh no, I don't know how to make this any better. But I worked at it and you do make it better. That fell through and they went with someone else. So also the, the process is filled with so many disappointments. So each time I allow, each time I got a critique back, um, I usually used to sort of cry because it was, like, how, how can this still be so terrible? And, and they weren't saying it was terrible. They were just saying it did need some work. Yeah. But you think, such a bit, you know, it takes so much effort. So I go off, I cry, feel sorry for myself and then pick myself up and a couple of days later, right, get on with it. Do I want to do this? Don't I? I do. Then this is what I have to do. And it was like almost talking myself through this process each time. Um, so that didn't happen. Um, then I was offered a contract with an American um, publisher. It was an um, like ebook only back when ebooks were very young. Yeah. Yeah. And because I wanted to see copies of my books in our local, we have two local, we have a Warstones and um, W.S. Smith. We don't have any independent bookshops here in I live in Jersey um I didn't go with it and then I thought what the hell am I thinking <laughs> what am I thinking um so then I self-published it uh first two first two books in in that series and then Axon Press contacted me because I'd obviously submitted to them and wanted the book I then also then had the confidence from that woman saying that well not the confidence but I thought you know I've got to just be brave yeah, and I said yeah. that broken place as my first historical into the uh, Daily Mail Good Housekeeping novel writing competition in 2012. And it's, it, so all I see is, oh, it didn't win. What I didn't realize is until afterwards, uh, the eight, my agent who took me on then, because that book, he was, he was the judge in it. He said, you might not have won. He said, but you beat 7,000 entrants to be a, the runner up. Mm. Um, and I thought, oh, okay. I signed with him, thought, well, that's it. Cause then you have these different stages. Oh, I've made it. I've got, and he was an excellent agent. Oh, I've made it. Uh, but he didn't manage to sell it. And in the end, he said, he tried to sell a couple of other books that I wrote for him. Nothing happened. And he said, you know what? You, you're doing better with your Georgina Troy books that I'm not, you know, uh, representing you for. So we parted ways. Um, and it's been very much that sort of thing. I've had another agent since then. Um, but 
I always thought you go out there, you write a book, you submit it, you know, some, you'll get an agent, you'll get a publisher. It's never worked that way for me. I've had mm. two agents, but I actually finally uh, was published by HarperCollins because, because I thought Broken Faces, because it was set during the first, uh, during the first war. So it starts in 1914, ends in 1918. And I really felt that by 19, uh, by, but by um, 2015, I'd missed the boat because, you know, yeah. it's too late. I also saw other books very similar that were in the Rich and Judy thing. I thought, you know, no one's going to want to read my book if, if they got similar sort of subjects in theirs. Um, and I was very sad because I thought, you know, I don't think I'll write a book. That's my best book that I've written, I think. Anyway, then I got a, a I got a, um, a message, a DM or whatever from or Twitter anyway, from Charlotte Ledger uh, at One More Chapter at Collins yeah. saying, I just read Broken Faces. And I loved it. So I said, oh, thank you so much and left it at that. So I told my husband, he said, uh, didn't you mention to her that, you know, you're not on any contract or anything? I went, no, she doesn't want to know that. He said, why did she contact you? She could have just read the book and like, you know, why did she contact you? I said, but it's Charlotte. I was always very in awe of her because she is yes. just yes. an amazing person. Brilliant. But, I, you, know, I, you know, I've followed her for years, but I thought, she's not going to want to talk to me. I was so thrown by it. He said, go back and say you know thank you again sort of thing so I, I messaged her again I said I'm still smiling thank you so much you don't know what you've done for my confidence uh that someone like yeah she read my book and liked it and she said well actually she said where are you contract wise I, I'm I haven't got a contract with anyone and she said I'm looking for somebody I'm looking to commission somebody to write um a book um to, to commemorate the centenary of the end of the First World War. And I said, right. And that's how I wrote the poppy feel for her. And again, I had so much to learn. I submitted the book to, for her. So I did an outline. Uh, we went through it. She liked it. I wrote the book. I submitted it. And I got eight pages back of what was wrong with it. She actually said, I felt so mean. I basically had to rewrite the book. Well, yeah, it was like, remove like eight characters, please. And this, this, and this. Like, oh no, it's so terrible. And again, <laughs> you have to find the confidence in you to think, yeah. I've got to gain because my, and yeah. And it was that book um, that gave me the, the freedom financially to give up my job and actually write full time. So again, I could have, when she came back and was like, you know, this is uh, really hello <laughs> and all these things wrong with it. She said, no, it's a lovely book. It's I love how you write, but it's not quite right. Not quite right. When I look at it now, I think, oh, um, and I had to go off and I had to sort of basically totally restructure it and everything else. And I thought, I can't do this. I can't do this. He's been amazing. My husband, bless him. <laughs> you can do this. If you want to do this, you just have to make yourself. So I thought, oh, but it's so rubbish. Just give it a go. And then if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. At least you know you've tried and you can cross off and think, you know what? I've tried, therefore I haven't failed because I've given it my best shot. And I did and it, it, it went on and it did really well and allowed me to give up my job, which was amazing. Wow, wow. And then you, you, you wrote some more. Oh, no, what am I thinking of? Then you wrote Mrs. Boots, didn't you? Yes, yes. yes. So, so again... So I did Poppyfield and that did really well. That was USA Today bestseller. I mean, it gave me this financial freedom. It was just wonderful. And you think, I've now worked all this out. This is fabulous. So then um, I was then commissioned to write the Mrs. Boot series, which is, but Mrs. Florence Boot is from Jersey. Um, 
And I loved writing the books. I met her granddaughter and her daughter and granddaughter, and they showed me private photo. I mean, the whole thing was just an amazing experience, terrifying because you want to do this woman justice. Yeah. Um, and you know, she has relatives and things absolutely terrifying and there was no information on the first book I literally knew that her mother wasn't at her wedding um and I had to write about this and so the first book was really quite difficult to write the second book there was so much information it's what do we leave out and the third book is set during the first one where obviously I'm very comfortable writing about mm. um so that was the easiest one to write but people loved them but they they never sold as well r remotely as well as the poppy field, and it was only afterwards it dawned on me. Um, my audience is mostly in the U.S. and Canada, and of course we all know Boots the Chemist in England. Obviously, in Canada it's Walgreens, so they won't. Mrs. Boots like, doesn't mean anything to them at all. Um, so it's sort of my audience had this one book that they liked, and then they had these three books that so just like. Who is it? What? Sorry, what? Um, and of course, the third book, it might be First World War, which is what my audience is used to. But it's a third book in a series. So it's not got the same appeal because the first mm. two books, who is this woman? She's writing that. So, again, confidence drops massively. And you think, oh, no, that was a one off and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then I wrote Nine at War. Um, I actually started a book and I've only ever done this once. I started a book. It was sort of um, just at the beginning of lockdown and I got to 30,000 words and had to go back to Charlotte and said, I can't do this. I actually can't do this. It's not working. I don't know how to write anymore. And I completely lost my confidence. And I just thought, I don't know if I'm ever going to write again. I, I actually can't do this. I, I really can't remember how to write a book. Um, and she was very sweet. She said, don't worry about it. It's fine. It, it, there's no panic. If you think of something you'd rather write, come up with an outline, let me have it. She's amazingly supportive to her authors. Um, and I really thought, I think I'd reached sort of burnout. I was doing with yeah. the other two John Potter's My VLF, which was an online uh, literary festival sort of forum, which was horrendously busy, brilliant. It was, it was, all, it was almost a victim of its own success. Um, and I think I was reaching burnout, plus the stress of going into lockdown, being separated from my yeah. kids. And then she asked me to write an Ironed at War. And I thought, oh, I don't know. You know, I'm writing about Jersey during the war. You know, I know a lot of people that remember it then. Um, I mean, my grandmother is no longer with us. My grandmother who lived through, through the occupation. But it's a very delicate subject. It's not if you don't live here, you'll look at the historical things and you'll write about it. But... I can tell the difference in people who live here, not so much English people, but people in America who've, who've written about it. And you think, there's certainly, we just wouldn't say that. It's just not the way you put that, um, which you wouldn't know unless you are closer to it. Either you lived here or someone close to you lived here. Um, so I, there were certain things I said I'm not going to touch on. But then I thought, you know what, I'm just like, like you say, it's about do I want to do this or not? Yes, I do. I've got, I owe it to myself after all these years of trying to just give it a go. And I did. And that was my second USA Today bestselling book. So, and, and I now get photos of people um, from all over the world. Oh, I've just bought this from my, my shop in Canada or from my shop in LA or, you know, I've had Florida and New Zealand and Australia and all sorts of things. You can't buy it in Jersey, of course. Um, but you can buy it everywhere else, it seems. So, <laughs> And even two weekends ago, I had an email from a couple 
um, through my website saying, um, we gave me the names and they're from um, the US. And they had come, they'd read the book and they'd come to Jersey and were staying in a fabulous hotel here because they wanted to come over to visit. They read and I loved it and they wanted to visit the locations. And I thought, am I reading a slide? Because it's always me in, you know, my studio, me looking at the screen. I forget that, well, I don't like to think probably that all the people that might say, but for somebody to come all this way from America, from Colorado to my island off the, co the coast of France to go to the locations in my book, I actually still can't, can't quite believe that. And that was a couple, just a couple of weeks ago. And mm. tomorrow I'm meeting another couple who read the book. His father, he was actually born here uh, during the occupation and he's bringing over photos and letters of his mother to the archive and they want to meet me so I'm meeting them in the morning but it, it's again and that was a book I thought I couldn't write because I had no confidence um and I actually had given up on a book I'd never given up on a book before but that and I don't think I'll ever write that book I just I don't know what it is about it I just couldn't do it yeah yeah it is a constant battle with yourself mm. and I think the question always is do I want to do this so do I want to write this book do I want this book published either by me or traditionally? Do I want this? I do. Right. I must sit on my bum and I must make myself write some words <laughs> because you can't edit nothing. You know, you've got to actually have the words. And I think it's just an ongoing battle, really, an ongoing thing you have to do. But I do love it. I mean, I don't want people to think I don't love what I do. I can't imagine doing anything I'd rather do. But it doesn't mean to say I still have those days where I think, what the hell do I think I'm doing? It's ridiculous, but it is how it is. And I mean, you can tell you love it because you speak very passionately. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, you do. You absolutely do. And I, I can feel my inspiration well, if that's such a thing, filling up as <laughs> oh, <laughs> the more you talk. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. So there was a few things that I wanted to talk to you about as well, which is the fact that you do have a few pen names as an author. So can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to become Georgina Troy, for example? Okay, yes, so that was um, because, well, I was going to write, uh, and my own, my name's, we'll see, my name is Deborah Carr. Um, and when I signed with that first agent, he only wanted to represent me for historicals. Um, and he said, so I don't want them to be connected at all. For years, I couldn't even talk about the fact that I was that same person. Oh. Um, and he said, you're going to have to come up with a completely different name for your contemporary stuff. So, oh, OK, because they're, they're different genres and you know if a reader sees their car book they know okay we're going to read historical novel it's going to have romance we'll we'll know what's in it and obviously they don't want to then pick up contemporary and think hang on a minute what what is this you know it's not what I was expecting so two totally different personas um so I came up with Georgina Troy Troy is my maiden name my granddad was George so George my sister's second name my, my niece is actually Georgina so I was like the name and then um because of that, I also, um, I write for a third, I now write for three three publishers, uh, although my, I write, they're, they're down as sort of like psychological thrillers, but they're actually more psychological mysteries, I think. Oh, yeah. um, 
for Hera books. I've written two books for Hera and I write those as Ella Drummond. I'm not writing those at the moment, but I, I, I hope to do some more in the future, uh, purely because I don't have time because I write historical and I write contemporary and, or, and I, I'm really quite signed up for those other books. Um, but yes, yeah, so I actually write in three names, yeah. That, I mean, that's amazing. When you first start as writing under a different name, mm. do you find your, your confidence levels are high because of the, the success of your other work or do you, does it feel like starting again a little bit? It feels like starting again. I think when I did it back then, I mean, I'd written I'd written the historical and uh, a contemporary, the two contemporaries before I actually did was published or anything. So I think I liked the an anonymity. I think with my Georgina things, it's like, mm. well, you know, no one friends and people, no one really knew. Well, no one knew it was me really. So there was that comfort of people not knowing who I, who, within my family and friends, because you know, you don't think readers know you anyway. Um, so that was nice actually to do it uh, with people not knowing who you are. But then of course you've actually, if, if people don't know anything about you and don't know your book exists, they're not gonna then buy it, are they? So you actually yeah. have to put yourself out there again. So I've, I've had to over the years get used to the fact because I mean, I'm chatting well to you, now I'm comfortable with you. If I know someone, I can chat the hind leg off a donkey. But generally, small talk, one-to-one -one with people, I get very awkward. You can put me, like I'm doing a talk in, in a couple of months in our library. I've, I've talked on a stage to 100 people at the big luncheon thing. I've done quite a lot of talks. And I'm not at all bothered. I'm quite, I, I was very terrified the first time. And then I told myself, listen, this is the only time you're going to get um, a, a captive audience where you can talk about what you love and they're probably not gonna walk away, well, hopefully. Um, so just get over yourself and do it. But, and now I'm not, I'm quite confident. I will get a little bit nervous, but not not too badly. But one-to-one, -one, I'm very shy. Um, like going to the conference, stuff like that. I think people don't know me because I've put on a brave face, but I am actually really very shy. Yeah. And I'd rather be here, you know, in this, in this box of mine working. But I think an awful lot of authors are like that. Mm. Yeah, I can yeah. definitely relate to that. Yeah. Um, I and I I can, yeah, I I definitely find it a lot easier with Zoom now yeah. um, than I maybe I would in real life. And I yeah. I think that something you touched upon at the very beginning. I think it was when you was talking to the ladies at, at the lunch, and you you kind of see that they are published, and you think they are. I don't know what the word is that not that they're so much better than you, but yeah, that they've made it. And why would they want it to talk to somebody? So much. Well, exactly. Yes. Yeah. And, and what you don't realize in the beginning is that these people were there too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've yeah. got a very good friend. She was lovely. One of the first, I remember being terrified to meet her for, for a coffee and a sandwich. She's a very close friend of mine now. And I actually dragged my mum along. I mean, hello, how old am I? Um, but she also <laughs> liked her books. And she was one of those people that every year when she had a book out, I, I would, um, you know, always go and buy. I was always excited. And I was so, so my mum reminds me of this and how I was so terrified to meet her because she was so amazing. The book's so amazing. And she's won all sorts of awards. And She's the sweetest, sweetest person. 
very ordinary, just like me, mm, just yeah. so lovely. And the thing that surprised me most was also anxious about a box, didn't have much self-confidence. You think, how can you not help yourself? And it's like, <laughs> what? How? How does that work? And now I'm exactly the same. And I think because, like you say, we see the published book and how wonderful and all these sorts of clever things, you don't realize this is just a very ordinary person who's done exactly the same as you. They mm. thought, I need to write this book. And they've made themselves type the words and edit it and whatever else that goes into it. And they've taken a deep breath and either press publish or press submit to a publisher or whatever. Most of us, I know there's the odd ones that aren't like that, who are very confident, but I think they're few and far between as far as I've ever seen. Yeah. And I think it's just, but but that's not what's talked about. No, no, I think definitely really isn't. good of you because that is not what's talked about. Mm-hmm. We are usually so busy, you know, we come out of our shell, say, Yeah, I've done this book, and isn't it amazing? Is that an audio or whatever, whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't say, Oh, I'm beside yeah. myself, that a load yeah. of rubbish, yeah. And I think a lot of people, um, a lot of people that I've kind of mentored, and 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 from my own experience as well, when you um have little confidence when you have this fear you do compare yourself you look at other people you compare yourself and a lot of people even now they they think that the the book they pick up to read from the library from the bookshop is what came out as a first draft (laughs) as you've detailed you had to rewrite a number of times oh, yes. um, your books and um it's been a roller coaster for oh, you but you know it totally is yeah. i mean for every book that i write so the one i'm doing at the moment um this is going to go to my editor so i'll be terrified when i send it to her she'll either like it or not like it or whatever but i'll get structural edits back she'll say oh i love it it's wonderful and everything else and then you get structural edits back and think if it's that wonderful why do i have to change so much so but that is that is what it is um, so structural edits and then um, so then you'll get um, I don't know if she I can't remember because I do the two so then you get line edits and copy edits and you get I think with my so my Hopcoins ones I have probably three different people that do the edits so I've structural edits copy edits and line edits and then proofs and each time they come out I think oh and then they'll just me think oh thank heavens that's done I'm so sick of this book and then they'll say, hmm, I don't understand the timeline with this. Because, you know, you say this here, like in one of my books, and he drove me mad. I think it was one of my, my thriller ones. Literally, it's like this, I'll never write about a woman who's pregnant again. Because she'll say, if she was so many weeks pregnant, then her stomach wouldn't look like this. And you think, what? Can we actually go through and work out a timeline? And think, I don't want to work out a timeline. I hate this woman now. Yeah. So it's not just me. You know, you've got all those people who who then go through it and read it, yeah. and, oh, yeah. and you have it by the time you get to the end of it. So that book did not come from me. If you, it's a shame actually that we can't see. This is the first draft, and this yeah. is the draft that's published because those yeah. are not the same books. Yeah, that I mean, that would be fascinating. <laughs> I, I I think it really yeah. would be. Um, so I mean, I could chat to you all day, Debs, but I'm very much aware of the time. Um, something I mentioned to you before we started, um, so I know you're happy talking about this, but a lot of the people that listen to the podcast and um, subscribe to my Substack and everything are creatives who are 
30 plus, maybe 40 plus mm -hmm. in terms of age, and they think they have left it too late. But you, you were telling me that you published your first book in your early 50s, is that right? I was 50 feet, 53 when I self-published my first book. Yeah. Because I thought, well, that's it. I'm fit. I always wanted to be published, have on my passport author by the time I was 40. Okay, I still don't have it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I need a new passport. Um, and I honestly thought I'd missed my chance. I mean, the amount of times I thought, I've just missed my chance. I always imagined myself in the 90s, being at yes. home, being an author. It wasn't going to happen. Um, so I got so sick of it. And I thought, you know what? I'm 53, but, uh, and you always think it, this is my last chance. And it's actually never your last chance. My mum, I've got a small publishing imprint and my mum's first book, she'll probably kill me so I hope she doesn't listen to it. She's now 82. You would not know she's 82, but she's 82. And I think I published her first book, first book when she was 79 or 80. Wow. Yeah. And she's now written Brilliant. other books. Um, and I think it was Mary Wellsley or something, it was 81 or yeah. something. Yeah. You've I remember the last award ceremony I went to, which was a few years ago, um, there was a lady, she was like, was she 102 or something? And she's written, God knows how many books. Uh, one thing when you're an author, it, I think it actually helps the older you are because you have that much more life experience. Mm -hmm. You have that much more time. Mm. And like you were saying, don't compare yourself. Today, Practically every day, I will write, because I'm doing a first draft, two to 3,000 words. But I didn't do that when I had children at home. I'm, I'm not a carer for anyone else. My husband works full time. So I have all day by myself. So I can spend all day writing or whatever. I have that luxury of time now. I never did that when, when my children were younger. And when I was younger, you have so many more different things. So I have the life experience um I know I have the freedom of a bit more time um I'm less self-confident you know what if people don't like what I've written now I do get embarrassed but I think oh, you know what I've just got to go for it mm. and I think you get less bothered as you get older yeah and and I just think one thing about writing as long as I have all my faculties and I can sit in a chair and use my fingers or dictate you don't even have to type you can dictate um I can do this when I'm 110 if I if I live that long. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I think the actually a lot of the time the older you get, the, the better it is. And I always thought in publishing, you know, they want to publish young people. No, no, no one's ever asked my age in publishing. No one's ever asked how old I am. No. And I've been published by now four different publishers. No one's ever asked my age or anything about it. Um, I don't think that's relevant. They want to know, do you write a good story and will you write another one? Literally, that's what they want to know because it's a business. It doesn't matter how old you are or where you live because that's another thing. I thought, oh, I don't live in England and I don't know any publishing people. It's totally irrelevant. Brilliant. But can but I say, Helen, I want to say, you know, I always watch your videos um, because I, I need something to settle my mind sometimes and make me calm and, and focused and I, it gives me the inspiration to actually write. And your videos are so amazing. They sort of calm me. They make me focus. I can't tell you the amount of times I've gone to YouTube and put on one of your videos and watched it. And it sort of centers me. It makes me feel good. I love how you video things. It's, and the advice that you give, it's so excellent. And I love watching your videos. I, I do that all the time. 
and then, and then I'm able to write. Yeah, it's so good. You're so, so good at what you do. So. Oh, Debs, that's so lovely. Coming from it, someone no, that I true. really it's admire. So, so. I, I, it's so true. I love it. And I'm so excited to be on your podcast. I'm so excited <laughs> to ask that. I'm excited to have you here. What you've just said is just, it's, it's given me goosebumps because I just oh. feel it's just really good advice and examples for for I've got pictures of my head of all the people I know who will listen and I just think they'll get so much from your very wise words and your amazing experience um before we finish and I forgot to mention this before we started that I was so I'm kind of throwing this at you I always like to ask um guests on my show obviously I've you're probably my fourth guest now so it's it, when I say guests you're the fourth but can you recommend a really good book that you've read recently either fiction or non-fiction yeah fiction I definitely can um what's what's it called let me think um oh lessons in chemistry yes by Bonnie Gomen Gaiman Garmus Yes, Garmus. that sounds right. Yes, absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. My aunt recommended it to me, and oh, so wonderful, wonderful book. Yeah, yeah definitely yeah. recommend it. Yeah, I, that's. I read book. that as well, and I got so much out of that. I thought it was, yeah. and it, it's one of those books that's had a lot of hype as well. And I tend to ignore those because I'm I very do. stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, well, I like, like giving other people a chance I think I, I like somebody you know I don't want to go with all the big ones had all the hype a lot of the time yeah. you know they can be disappointing sometimes yeah but no that was an amazing book mm. and oh, I'm glad you like that I loved it yeah. yeah brilliant brilliant well that's it then um this has been an absolutely delightful interview it's been I could ask you so many more questions about the, your whole process um it, it's just absolutely fascinating and and coming back to something you said how you think that you get the agent and you think you've made it but you've shown you've demonstrated that you know there's ups and downs all the time including when you get your your book back from editing and stuff like that and yeah. um and how it, it it's a real emotional journey I think and really it's been you. yeah it's been fascinating to hear what you've got to say so that's it thank you very much Debs it's thank been an absolute delight thank you Helen thank you Debs for such a lovely interview if you'd like to find out more about Deborah and her books, you can go to debracar.org and that's car with a double R. She's also on Instagram with the handle of books and beaches and on TikTok at Georgina Troy underscore Deborah Carr. I'll include all of those links in the show notes. Thank you for listening. Until next time.